All right, everybody, welcome back to the Text Lab podcast. It has been a while, well, but it is good to get back in the saddle. It is crawl. The weather outside is beautiful today. 60, sunny. This is the biggest smile I've seen on your face in a while. I, I get affected by the rain and the sun, you know, that's yeah. all I'm saying. And it's uh, a nice break from the atmospheric rivers that have been dumping. And um, yeah, nice little sunshine out there, man. So 100%. Yeah, well, it's good to be back. And lest you think that this is a weather podcast, we assure you it is not. This is the text lab for our listeners who do not know where every single week we do a deep dive into the text to help you prepare for your life group this week. Our goal is simple to help you be a disciple who makes disciples. So whether you're leading a life group or just trying to do some deep diving on your own, we hope that the text lab helps you have meaningful study, reflection and conversations about God and what God has said in his word. Today, Crawl, we are in Romans 4, 1 through 8. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, to one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Will, amazing passage this morning, today, so many big things going on here. You know, I think of Martin Luther launching the Reformation and this being one of the primary texts that he was going off of. What jumps out to you as we even just look at those first few verses, Romans 4, what stands out? Well, I, like we have, if you remember, we've been in Romans where it's like sin, death, sin, death, like, and so much like devastation and the cause of what happens when sin gives birth in life, right? And so this is like, if you imagine we've been hiking the hill of Romans 1 through 3, and you get around the other side, and you see the bank, and there's just this beautiful river. And you're like, okay, I can refill my water bottle. I can take a deep dive and just go for a little swim. There are no snakes in this situation. We're in Ireland, if you want to picture us there. But like, that's what this text is, in my opinion. This is like the sweetness of the gospel after we've treaded through the depth of our depravity on the other side where we get get to yes we are we are counted righteous not because of our works but because of what Christ has done on our behalf and i know how much you love hiking so i know how much that metaphor really resonated deeply with you but really that's a great picture of what is happening here because Paul in Romans 1, 2, and 3 really is setting us up the whole time to get to Romans 4. Uh, really Romans 4 through 8 that we'll be in for the next few weeks and months. It's going to be wonderful weeks and months being in the text in our our, our series here because uh, first he has really been establishing, just to review, this equality among Jews and Gentiles that all are in need of God's grace. All are equally condemned because of their sinful nature. Um, no matter whether you were a Jew and had Abraham as your father, um, no matter if you were a Gentile and were far from God in that way, everybody is in need of God's grace and forgiveness. And now specifically 
in chapter four, going back to Abraham again, but then really talking about Abraham's faith, really talking about how was Abraham justified, um, what happened in Abraham's salvation process that brought him to God. And I think it's really interesting looking at you know, verses two, one and two there about Abraham not being justified by works. We'll speak a little bit. What would have been the Jewish mentality about their salvation at this point as it came to works and the law? Like what would have been even the Jewish mentality and framework? Yep. So there, you have to think that there, at this point, following the law would have been like well would have been credited to them as righteousness. So it would have been credited to them to faithfully follow week in, week out, everything from, hey, I'm going to follow the Torah as best, the Old Testament, the first five books of the Old Testament, like as best as I possibly can. I'm going to follow the law. I'm going to like give myself, uh, and I'm going to give myself to tell stories to my children that this is the way that we are to live. And so we we get to this point where it's like, okay, like you see throughout the Old Testament, God blessing with his people with favor whenever they're trying to follow um, the law. And you see devastation whenever God's people disobey God and his law. And like here, what you see is, is this full depth of saying like, hey, the, gen- the Jews, whenever they tried to follow the law, um, were never able to do it perfectly. And that's the wild thing here. Like you've got Abraham and you have David David speaking in seven eighths from a Psalm that David is writing. And, and, and you hear both of these two as like justified by faith and not works. If you do like a deep dive <laughs> into both David and Abraham's life, like they were not righteous, but yet God called them righteous. They were not righteous on their own, but God, God said that you are my chosen people. You are the one who I'm going to work through. And like you, uh, verse, I mean, you see this throughout, right? Like, um, Abraham believed in God, verse three, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Uh, David, verse seven, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. This is what the gospel is. The gospel is like Jesus completely fills the law so that we now have freedom in faith in a future Messiah, in the Messiah who has come for them. It was the future Messiah. Yeah, I think you really see Paul emphasizing this in verse 2 where, hey, if Abraham was justified by works, he really had something to boast about then. He would have had something to be uh, proud of. He would have really played a key role in accomplishing salvation for himself if it was by the law, if it was by works. Um, But the reality is just that it's not, that it's all by faith. Um, It's all by trusting fully in Christ and what he has done, that that is what his salvation is coming um, about. And then, you know, there's kind of a particular encouragement in that, in that when you look back at a lot of the heroes of the faith, they weren't these perfect people. Um, they made mistakes. They had errors in their life. They struggled with doubt. They wrestled with God. Um, the who's who list of scripture is not a very impressive list as um, these people stand on their own credentials, but that's because it's uh, standing on God, not them. And you see that played out in salvation here is that this is all about what God has done, not what man has done. Um, Abraham's faith, it came to him as a gift. It came to him because of faith in God, what he was doing. Um, not Abraham's own ability, not his own ability to be justified or follow the law perfectly, which was just a very completely uh, different framework than the religious leaders of the first century and a different understanding of their salvation that they would have had at 
at the time. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm curious about the word believe that Paul is using here. And, and what, what do you think he's talking about? This kind of brings up some different things about um, when John uses the word believe throughout the gospel of John. And um, when we think about what believe means, what, what, how do we even understand that? What does to believe, to have faith, to trust in God for salvation mean? Yeah, it's a great question. And I, I think it's a, a I, I think it's this constant state of repentance. It's realizing the depth of our own sin. And that's what I think Paul is teeing us up for here. It's not, and I think it's like important to note, it's not a singular moment, but it's a life transformation that's taking place, mm-hmm. right? It, it, it's the cry, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Yeah. It's like that constant movement towards wanting to love God more, especially, and I think about that, especially as like you think about Abraham, right? Like you think about Abraham who, like if you're thinking about someone who is justified by faith, he wasn't super faithful whenever it came to Hagar and Sarah, right? Like it, it, it's almost like I don't, I'm not going to trust you, God. And I think about David in the same way. And it's like, okay, but why were, were they justified by faith? Because there's a genuine repentance that takes place that, that God comes into their life and reminds them, Hey, you know, we use this language of like off the throne of your heart. Like we're God's taps us on the shoulder says, you're sitting in my seat. And that's, what's really taking place here is that when we talk about righteousness, um, we're, we're made right before God, not because of what we have done, will do, or will continue to do, but because of what Christ has done for us. And what that does is it's this, it's now the spirit working us constantly telling us, Hey, that's mine. Like you're trying to take something in my role that really is not beneficial for you to step into that space and place. Remember how we discussed sin previously, but really it's God wooing us back to himself and saying, Nope, hand that to me. I will take care of you. Like, trust me. Um, another analogy that we use for that is one cheek faith. So all that is to say, um, when we talk about like justifying the ungodly, that's what faith is. It's never, we never graduate from the depth of our depravity we, we continually realize like that we need to confess and repent more and more. And the, and we then get to experience this Romans four, one through eight time and time again of the gospel being spread over us, that there is forgiveness. There is a movement to a deeper relationship with God. Yeah. I really like thinking about the word there, trust and the way that that gets drawn out, even to maybe like relying upon yeah. and the reliance. He's talking about this daily lived moment by moment uh, full reliance and trust on God, on who God is, what God has done. And when you do that, then Christ's righteousness is credited to us. It's it's not even just a abstract, maybe like um, belief system on something, but a real full reliance, which includes part of mentally understanding. But then even more than that, it, 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 your life is dependent upon it. Um, Almost trusting one would in say- God desperate independent desperate and dependent fully on it because then it changes really the framework of works and the law and and it isn't that the law or works are done away with it's just that that is not justifying you there is this core acceptance there's this core uh, relationship that's unbreakable because it's because of what god has done and then um the rest of your life then changes because there are works but as paul says here the works are not created as a gift but as an obligation meaning this is just the result of it and even as we talk a lot about at vg the works then are just the path for the good life it's the path for the abundant life 
in Jesus. Um, Martin Luther once said, God doesn't need your good works, but your neighbor does. And so it's like two Martin Luther quotes in one text. Here, but it's like there, there then is this joyful way of life that you want to do these things. You're not doing them to try and f- justify yourself before God, which is impossible, but you're doing them because of what God has done for you and the life that you now live and receive. Well, and I think like to piggyback off that for just a second is the, the good works aren't the problem. The, the good works that we talk about in this situation aren't like they're good for us to step into. Like I think of Ephesians two that we were God's workmanship created for good works. Like that's not the problem. The problem is when we look at those works and say, look at what I've done, God. Like instead of saying, wow, God, look at what you've done through me. Yeah. So like, good. That's the difference. So good. As, as you think about this on, on just personal life, Will, where does it, where does it hit you? I mean, I think it's like this ever-present, I love this passage because it talks about justification by faith that's not based on circumstances. Like this isn't going into David or Abraham's life as like only trusting in the good times or only believing in the bad times. Like, no, it's like this, exactly what you said, this whole life, this holistic view of faith. And so it comforts me because it's in the both in the gaps that we talk a lot about here at VG, like God is with me and that he, I can trust that his better is better for me, even in those spots. And in the same way in the good times that God's better is still better. How about you, Carl? I think for me, it's like, yeah, how do you, fully just live and rely on the grace God has for you every single moment, every single day, all of life as grace. That as a framework for living is it, it, it helps resolve the fear of the future. It helps resolve the fear of the present. Um, all of life then is truly a gift and you can live and walk fully in an identity that's built just on that grace, not on, on anything else besides what Christ has done for us on the cross. I love that. And I just had real quick, I had a conversation with a buddy last week and we had the conversation about like, there's a difference between having moments of grace in your household and having a family structure that's mm. based around grace of like yeah. grace is the core of what we believe in and the core of like, that's just who we are. That's different than just moments of grace. Hey, well, listener, whether you are at the gym cleaning the house, mowing the lawn, whatever you like to do when you listen to podcasts. We're so glad that you uh, took the time to listen today and we hope you feel equipped, encouraged, and ready to walk through the text with your group this week. As always, do your own prep. Let the Spirit lead you and know that you were the one who was sent by God this week to your family, to your school, to your work, to your coffee shop, to the gym, and to the soccer practice, wherever your prayer watch community might be and wherever God invites you to go, where you are sent to be the living proof of our loving God. We love you all. We'll catch you next time on the Text Lab.